Hello, welcome. You are with Dr. Shushma Singh. Today in Unit 15, Population and Development, let us start the lecture with the topic Politics of Population Control, Environment and Gender. As discussed in the earlier section, scientific studies to evolve ways and techniques of engineering demographic transition in the developing world had been well established in the United States around the Second World War itself. The UN too had taken up itself the task of encouraging third world countries to include birth control and family planning within its official responsibilities. The general conception was that the primary reason for underdevelopment and poverty in developing countries is overpopulation in that whatever is produced is spent on feeding that many persons. This keeps the per, cap per capita income low and people are unable to come out of situation of poverty. They live in unhygienic conditions have no access to education, health facilities and family planning techniques and have more children with the hope that they, there would be more persons to labor and earn a living. According to the Neo-Malthusian, it is this vicious circle that perpetuates poverty and only way to cut through this mesh is by controlling population growth. This position is intolerant to the argument but put forward by the third world countries that development is the best contraceptive. The idea being that with socio-economic development and consequent improvement in the standard of living, population rates will slow down. This, however, is unacceptable to the Neo-Malthusian in the premise that the world cannot afford to wait that long given the alarming rate at which the population is growing. The impatience has also grown with an increasing awareness about the global ecological crisis. The ecologists have drawn attention to the limited carrying capacity of the earth and the limit to its resources an idea central to Malthus thesis. The ecological movement which gained movement over the last century has consistently predicted doom in the near future if the earth continues to be overexploded at the present rate. For the Neo-Malthusian this argument directly addresses the issue of overpopulation that is the overexploitation of the earth is a direct consequence of the large number of people who fed on it. This argument however had been criticized for being simply thick and factually incorrect. The industrialized nation, which account for less than 25% of the world population, account for 75% of the 
of the world's energy use and two-third of the greenhouse gases that damage the ozone layer. The effects are global and the affect everyone. Moreover, the third world countries have been used as dumping grounds for the toxics and chemicals produced by the multinational companies of the advanced countries in the third world. Thus, it seems that the source of the ecological crisis is not overpopulation but overconsumption. The crisis lies in the fact that the rate of reproduction of nature is slower than the rate of industrial production. The new Malthusian position on poverty and population also fails to explore the role and extent of structural inequalities of class and status, unequal access to the means of production and a lack of structural reforms in the perpetuation of the conditions of poverty. The mechanization of the hitherto labor-intensive agricultural sector has accentuated class differences and hastened the marginalization of the lower strata. In India, the Green Revolution, a movement to increase food production and to realize the goal of food self-sufficiency in the country was achieved through technological upgradation of the methods of agriculture and the introduction of high-yielding variety of hybridized seeds. The example is of the interest more so because it was introduced to boost economic growth and agricultural production. Despite the immediate gains of the Green Revolution, it triggered off a series of social, economic and environmental complications. In the absence of land reforms, the commercialization of agriculture benefited the rich farmers and created conditions of indebtedness among the poor farmers. The poor farmers did not have as much land or the financial resources to benefit from the Green Revolution. As for the environmental consequences, the use of pesticides, chemical fertilizers and hybrid dye seeds have had a negative effect on the soil quality. In fact, commercial agriculture and the overutilization of groundwater has created conditions of drought all over the India. The environmental crisis has put even the tried and tested route to development of the modern and advanced countries to question. The construction of large dams, monoculture plantations and commercial agriculture have not only created conditions of poverty but also questioned the explicit faith in the dominant ideas of progress and development to bring about the appropriate demographic changes. The over-exploitation of the environment has put a large section of the world population at risk. Millions of persons have lost their livelihood, face severe health risks and have forced to migrate to the already overpopulated city in search of alternative employment. The indigenous people across the world or tribes 
as they are known in India have collectively campaigned against the destruction of their natural habitats which has cut into their source of livelihood and forced them to migrate in search of employment. The studies on fertility and poverty reveal the complex relationship between the poverty and the tendency to have more children. For one, unlike the neo-Malthusian belief, children are not viewed as liabilities but as assets. The motivation to have more children varies from class to class. Landless laborers who depend on manual labor and the poor farmers who cannot afford mechanized alternatives to manual labor prefer to have more children. Overpopulation then is not the cause of poverty, but perhaps or at the most a symptom. This is to say that having more children is not the reason for their improvement, but is a calculated rational economic decision on their part. According to the ILO statistics, 1995, there are 250 million children in the age group of 4 to 14 years working for a living and 50% of them are employed full time. The World Development Report 1984 further supports this argument through its finding in Thailand, South Korea, Indonesia and Turkey. Children are here considered as investment as persons who would take care of their parents in the future. This heavy reliance on children also demonstrates the absence and poor performance of their other forms of institutional support structures and welfare programs in the third world. Clearly, a unidirectional focus on population cannot explain or cure poverty and its persistence in the third world. Another factor that needs to be discussed alongside the issue of overpopulation is the simultaneous prevalence of high rate of infant mortality and fertility in developing countries. An analysis of the regions reveals structural factors for the same. The low status of women, lack of proper nutrition and personal health emerge as common reasons for high rates of infant mortality. Infant mortality only registers death of children in the first year of birth while many of the children who do survive beyond the first year die due to the lack of proper nutrition and care. In a system dominated by patriarchal values which attaches greater values to the male child and recognizes women primarily by their reproductive functions. The motivation for having many children is structural. In such a situation, women either lack the power to decide whether to have a child or not or exercise their reproductive role in order to find acceptance in the system. Contraceptives or other techniques of birth control have been misused to control women's fertility. Thus, instead of providing women greater control over their reproductive functions, 
birth control techniques have provided to a means of controlling women's bodies. The proliferation of illegal and private sex determination clinics all over India is the case in point. Female infanticides and determination of pregnancy to avoid having a girl child is a common practice. Similarly, in China, the resurgence of female infanticides and abdomenment of children in the early 1980s was attributed to the pressure created by the government's family planning program. The fear is that the drop in number of in females will lead to other forms of exploitative practice against women, such as revival of infant betrothal and new forms of sexual and economic slavery. There is also a controversy over the politics of technology transfer from the first to the third world. The concern about population and now HIV AIDS has also been viewed as circuitous means of creating a market or rather a dumping ground for many of the obsolete technology of the first world in the developing world. In such a scenario, is it good enough to control birth and bring down the population? Is it not important to address the ethnic issues surrounding birth control technologies and overdrive to check the overpopulation without dealing with the larger sexual dimension of the problem? In order for family planning techniques and birth control measures to be meaningful, the social and economic conditions of women have to be improved. By concentrating on women's reproductive roles, women's productive lives are not considered in comprehending their compulsions and the reproductive choices that they make. Here we want to close this lecture. Thanks for patience full hearing.